Blog Talk Radio. Things that were open at night 
uh, were convenience stores. And so you'd stop in there and, and pick up your, uh, you know, whatever uh, drinks you, you chose. I, I didn't know an alcoholic, but those that would pick up a six-pack of beer, and uh, they'd always pick up uh, a loaf of bread, uh, some mustard or something of that, mayonnaise, uh, and some uh, cold cuts because they were the cheapest to buy and obviously went the uh, the furthest. So uh, it was, uh, you know, the cheapest cut of meat obviously was the uh, bologna. So people would pick up that, and they'd have sandwiches on the way out to the uh, the next town. And obviously back in the day, you know, our hotels were such that you could come in at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning and uh, be able to be able to stay there that night as well. Uh, nowadays, they kick you out at 11 o'clock, so it, it, it doesn't work anymore, but it used to be. And so, of course, you'd have the sandwiches, and you'd have some sleep, and then you'd uh, get to the next matches. And then the following night is the uh, is what's known as the Black Tie Affair. <clears throat> it's where we uh, present a lot of the major awards, um, and uh, they have an opportunity then to dress up uh, in their suit and tie and whatever else. Uh, they have a, a sit-down dinner where they present you uh, with uh, salad beforehand and then uh, dinner, which this year was uh, chicken and shrimp. And uh, and then they provide a cheesecake dessert afterwards, which I don't partake in because I don't like cheesecake. But you can do that. And then uh, they do the awards. And the awards are, are always interesting because, uh, um, you know, there's a lot of your favorites that you may have seen on TV back in the 80s and 90s and so on and so forth. Um, we have some posthumous awards, which unfortunately, you know, mean that there are People are no longer with us, uh, but uh, they get to be responded to in in, uh, in kind regard. And then um, then Wednesday night basically is, is the cutoff for everybody for for uh, getting out of town again. And they usually stick around till Thursday when the flights are, are at their most, and they start heading out Thursday and Friday. <clears throat> but it's a little bit different than a, a Comic Con or a uh, Russell Con or something like that. In that uh, a lot of the guys in there. Uh, have, have wrestled with each other, um, been on, on events with each other, and so on and so forth. So it's it's a little more, um, it's a little different than, say, a Comic-Con, which is just strictly a money-making machine for a lot of the guys that are, are wrestling on their laurels or whatever else, and uh, they get a chance to go and be seen, um, you know, at uh, at these big events and what have you. The CEC is a much more laid-back affair uh, where we have, you know, named guys, non-named guys, and so on. Uh, it's changed a little bit over the years because we don't currently have the wrestling show at the hotel. Uh, there was one uh, which wasn't affiliated with the CAC, but it was taking place at the Nerd Bar, which is uh, just down from the Plaza Hotel on Fremont Street, um, and it took place on Tuesday night or Monday night, pardon me. And then people could uh, uh, partake in that if they if they chose, uh, watch the show and whatever else. And uh, and it was really a good time to be able to have a chance to be able to sit back and and uh, reminisce on on days gone by, and obviously, you know, every year that we look, uh, we look out in the crowd, and uh, we see that a lot of the people that uh, we were there just a year ago are not there, and uh, it's 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 humbling in, in many respects uh, to see that because, uh, um, you know, you go, now maybe I should have taken pictures, and uh, that was the real big focus this year. A lot of people were talking about that. Uh, it was promoted a lot while on stage. Uh, make sure you get pictures with people because you honestly don't know. And uh, so I think probably this year I did the most amount of pictures that I've done uh, in, in decades. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of those I'm very thankful for because I, I don't know if I'll be able to have a chance to see some of these guys again. Um, in 
regards to the pictures, for years in the wrestling industry, there was a generation, maybe two, that saw taking pictures with people in the industry as unprofessional, and so it was discouraged a lot of times by people within the business to younger people in the business, and it became something that was a stigma. In more recent years, that has lifted, and there are veterans like Madman Pondo and Bob Cook that are very uh, vocal about making sure guys know there's nothing wrong with taking pictures with people in the industry, and once your career is finished, those are the things that you have to look back and remember your time in the business. Uh, It's a lasting uh, memory for you that you did work with that person and interact. You're sort of on that threshold of when it was not only frowned upon, you were almost given a stigma if you got pictures with people in the locker room and bridged that gap to where it was becoming acceptable. What was your own personal belief, not only at the time you were actively wrestling and ring announcing and refereeing to the point where you're at now where uh, you're more involved with the CAC than necessarily uh, working on wrestling shows? Well, you know, for sure, back back uh, when I was wrestling, and that was in the uh, early 90s, um, even as an announcer in the 80s, you know, it was uh, one of those things definitely was a, was a, uh, a taboo subject. I know uh, one conversation I remember having, um, you know, we was in a dressing room in, in Cloverdale, B.C., and um, Michelle Starr had, had um, brought in these names that, that were working the shows, Rick Martell, Tito Santana, uh, Greg Valentine, Coco Beware, the Bushwhackers, etc. And um, you know, I I remember going up to Tito Santana and you know, said I feel I feel silly, but you know I'd like to get a picture with you. And he says, No, no, no. He says I don't want you to feel silly. He says it's called taking advantage of an opportunity. And even though I remember him saying that back, you know, 30 years ago, it's one of those things where I um I, I didn't take it to heart and. Uh, you know, there are definitely some times where I look back, um, you know, we just recently lost another wrestler, uh, Chris Jensen, who passed away, uh, wrestling under the name of Thunder in, in the Northwest. Um, there are, are very few pictures that I have, um, mostly where, where I was working with him, et cetera, um, but no no pictures at all of, like, us, you know, coming around, et cetera. Um, you know, you do miss some of those, and... Um, you know, you can't get those back. Uh, it's just, um, you know, nowadays it's it's very strange. You know, when you see people uh, doing pictures, I know you mentioned Bob Cook. It's funny is that uh, Bob Cook and I had never done a picture at all together for decades. And um, the last CAC, uh, we were at a, a restaurant, and uh, I said, you know what? I said, we've never done one together. And so he says, well, we're going to change that now. And so... Um, you know, he, he sort of, he put up a caption about it being, being uh, you know, we were outside of, of a restaurant and, you know, and so on and so forth. And, you know, it was kind of funny about it. But, uh, you know, I, I cherish those because, uh, honestly, you know, there's 
some of those times where you're not going to see those guys anymore. And, and that, um, that, you know, really hurts an awful lot. I mean, you know, when we were at the CAC, for example, um, the pictures that I have when I was playing Bill White in, in cribbage, uh, or, or super intelligent destroyer, um, you know, people like that, um, we don't see anymore because they're not here anymore. And, um, that's, uh, you know, you can look back and go, geez, yeah, I remember, you know, those things. It's like, you know, when Vance Nevada actually sent me a record of some of the matches I'd been participating in, I said, you know, I don't even remember wrestling some of these guys. And so, you know, that, um, you know, after a while, you sort of you sort of start um, melding all those things together, pictures and, and autographs and, and so on. Um, I mean, I have a piece of paper at home here, which I cherish quite quite uh, a lot. Um, you know, back in the day when I did autographs, I mean, there's an autograph page that I have, which has Ben Basarab, um, Dick Wellington, who is actually Beef Wellington, but he was being known as Dick Wellington when he first started, and Owen Hart. Um, and that um, that is a, a treasure that I that I have. Um, and there's some other pictures that I found recently that I, I'm so glad that I did because um, we'll never get to see them again, guys at the Bushwhackers and so on. Um, you know, so I know that I know that it's a stigma, and I know that we've we sort of you know question ourselves whether or not we should. Um, and I, I guess I kind of feel silly in some respects, but I'm glad in other respects that I did. Um, I still, in many cases, do, if I do pictures, it's, it's um, when other people are sort of looking kind of thing, uh, just because I, I feel kind of silly. Um, you know, just, just it's that, that stigma that's still with me. And it may never go away, but it's, it's, um, it's slowly but surely disappearing a little bit. I've noticed, like, if you see a lot of shows going on, where pictures are going on, it's just like uh, it's a it's a big thing for a lot of people now. Absolutely, it's a completely different mindset than it was even ten years ago. I think. Yes. Yes. You brought up cribbage, and for the people that are unaware, which if they listen to this show, <laughs> they would not be unaware because we mention it frequently. You happen to run the cribbage tournament at CAC. I know it's not as big a thing as it was a generation or two ago because uh, board games in general just aren't played as much because of video games and people being on their phones in locker rooms rather than interacting with other people in the locker room. But how was the cribbage tournament this year? Well, I mean, it's it's it, it, you're right. It is it is sort of fading away uh, for some. I, I I resurrect it because it was something my grandpa had had played, um, you know, with me. Um, for those who don't know what cribbage is, it's a um, uh, it was played back in the days uh, in the locker rooms with a lot of the guys. Uh, and the reason why it was played as opposed to poker or some of the other things is that you didn't have to remember where you were. Um, you know, there was the pegs told you where you were. So the cribbage board is 121 slots, um, 120 that you play on. And then, then the one, which is the go out one. Um, and you play a, a, a six card hand and uh, you pull two cards. If you're, if you're running the crib, then you want to pull two cards that you think are going to help you. 
in the crib, uh, and the, the person that's playing opposite to you will probably pull two cards out of his hand that uh, aren't going to help you and aren't going to help him. <clears throat> and then the uh, uh, the cards are cut at that point. So the deck that's remaining deck is cut, and a, a card is pulled out for there, and that's the uh, the face card that's used as the fifth card. It's like poker at that point. Um, you make runs and you make uh, counts of 15. This is one time we can actually count cards legally. Um, so you count up to 15 in your hands. Um, runs are good, pairs, um, three of a kind, etc., um, which are which are counted as points. Each one of those is a value of a point. Um, and then what's known as the uh, the show, which um, at that point you play the cards. Um, and you're trying to make 15s up to maximum of 31. Uh, 15 is just counted as two points. 31 is counted as two points. Um, if you can't reach the 31, is the closest two without going over, and that's what is known then as a go, uh, which is one point. Uh, and then you you can keep on playing until you run out of the cards. Um, you show the cards at that point, and and uh, and then you count them, uh, which reflects the points on the cribbage board. And said, you know, the one person that goes out to 121 <clears throat> is declared the winner. Uh, in our cribbage tournament, we play uh, best what is known as two out of three falls, which is two out of three games. Um, you know, just on the wrestling aspect, two out of three falls. Uh, but we um, we do that so that that way you can have some time playing with uh, a notable guy. <clears throat> Guys like Bob Orton play. Uh, as I said, uh, uh, Bill White played, who was the rebel. Uh, Bill White, uh, we had our friend who was our personal friend. Uh, we've had Super Destroyer, uh, Paul Butcher for Sean. Um, there are two guys that have uh, played who uh, run the uh, uh, the Hall of Fame out of Waterloo, um, Iowa as well. <clears throat> so there's there's a lot of different guys. We have guys from around the world that play. Um, and it's it's a fun time just to sort of uh, shoot the breeze, talk a little bit of stuff, and, and, uh, and play some cards. And, and it's fun to be able to have that... Um, uh, camaraderie amongst the people. We didn't have as many people as, as I like, but uh, you know, we, we still had eight players that, that played this year. Uh, this year they included another board game, which uh, I'm, I'm hoping I don't butcher the name, Phil Singer Games, uh, which is a likeness of a wrestler, um, which has point values on the card, which tell you how you can how you can battle. Uh, it's like uh, Pokemon or these other card games that you can play. Um, and Bob Orton won that one too, believe it or not. So he won both cribbage and uh, and Phil Singer games, um, you know, on the card. But um, it was fun to to be able to see those kinds of different things. Uh, this year they offered a karaoke uh, for people to go and sing at night, obviously with a few uh, under their belt. Um, and I don't know, they're they're looking at a couple other things for next year. Uh, this year they did a pool party, uh, which was on Monday afternoon. Uh, which uh, was upstairs at the Plaza Hotel, so you could go upstairs and hobnob with guys and, and girls in their in their uh, bathing suits or whatever. I, uh, I I didn't go this year. I thought people didn't want to see my my uh, stuff in a speedo, so I I, I declined. Uh, instead, I uh, I did uh, ashes for my wife um, on Monday afternoon outside the Plaza Hotel. We had about 100 people that came. Um, she. Uh, Worked the CAC as a registration desk person for the last couple of seasons, and she passed away just a month after the CAC last year. And um, her ashes were laid to rest in in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, with as I said, about 100 people. We spread her ashes, we uh, said our goodbyes, 
And um, it was really a heartfelt moment so that people could go upstairs if they wanted to to go to the pool party. I didn't, but if they wanted to, they could. Um, but there's, there are a lot of different things that people can do at the CAC, uh, not just not just in the wrestling aspect of things, but then also sightseeing. If you want to go into town or Fremont Street or wherever else, um, you're sort of free to do whatever you like. There's only a couple of minor things that uh, uh, are sort of tied into the banquets and the nostalgia room. Uh, other than that, you can basically go as you please. And uh, it's really nice to, to, to see all those folks. The one thing I will say about the Plaza Hotel, uh, different from the Gold Coast Hotel, was that, uh, you know, we could do what was known as the Far- Freddy Fargo Strut Off, which we would do at the Red Zone Bar in the Gold Coast Hotel. We'd have, you know, a few hundred people that would come in and and, uh, and watch these guys uh, do their, their best impression of Freddy Fargo and the Strut Off uh, and the uh, Jackie Fargo Strut Off. And um, it was um, it was a sight to behold for sure. Um, but also everybody would gather at Fridays in the Gold Coast and, and be able to uh, talk shop. We don't really have that. We have uh, sort of like a food place in a uh, food court in, in the Plaza Hotel. Some people go in there, so we do meet up with some of these people there. Uh, some people go to Hashagogo. Um, they can talk some shop in there. But there really isn't a get-together like we used to have had, so I'm hoping that uh, that will change in, in future years. Uh, you did bring it up, so I will mention as well. Uh, we did lose Kathy last year, which was a massive blow to so many people, myself included. And she was a very, very strong supporter of the CAC and very involved in it. So it was very, very fitting that you were able to take her ashes back there to where she loved to be. And I know a lot of people, like you said, took part in the ceremony. Can you tell us how fitting it was for that to be able to take place at CAC? Well, I talked to her parents beforehand, um, you know, before all this had been, you know, uh, before she passed away. And I told them, I said, you know, I said, where would you like her to be? You know, I, I will respect your wishes, whatever you'd like. And they, uh, they told me at that time, you know, uh, there wasn't really a plan in place. I said, well, I'll tell you, the one thing that she really loved was the Call for Alley Club. Um, she loved it on several different points, obviously the wrestling aspect of things, but she really liked the friendship there. The ring of friendship is what it's called, and uh, it truly is. You know, when people uh, from all walks of life can treat you as, as an equal, um, which uh, was phenomenal when we went to CAC, um, we decided uh, that that would be the best, best place for her to be. And so, um, you know, I scouted around trying to find the best spot for her. And so there's a place that's just outside the Golden Gate Hotel. There's a, uh, a tree grove that's on that, that strip on Main Street, but it's overlooking the Plaza Hotel. <clears throat> and so we found a palm tree because she was a warm person. So I figured, you know, a palm tree would be fitting. And so she's right across from, uh, there's an there's a, uh, old newspaper box that's right there on Main Street. And so she's uh, in the palm tree right there, and uh, she's overlooking the Plaza Hotel, and she can be at CEC every year. Um, and, be, you know, she is a lifetime member, um, you know, even before this, so, you know, she's there. But we were married together for 19 years, and um, so, you know, I had talked to Christy Fox, who um, was a long, long-time bestie of, of Kathy for a long time, and um, 
you know, I decided that uh, one of the things that would be really good is if uh, we kept her name going uh, in perpetuity. And so one of the things that I thought would be kind of good is if I found a way to be able to find lifetime memberships for people um, that may not be able to go to the CEC uh, for financial reasons or um, whatever. And, um, you know, it was finding people that were close to Kathy, and obviously there's tons of them. So I had to whittle it down to the 19 that were in our, our uh, years of marriage. And I found 19 people that uh, that I thought would be befitting of uh, of uh, of this uh, lifetime membership. And remember, this is this is a lifetime. So you know, however long they live is how long they are a member now of the CDC. And so we did a, a thing where um, uh, on Wednesday night at the banquet, I announced 19 people, and then eight of them were able to come to the CDC this year. There were a number that weren't able to make it either for financial reasons or scheduling reasons or whatever else. But uh, I mailed off several of the certificates. There were a couple that I actually met in person, uh, Funny Bone and, uh, and uh, Beast the Butcher in, in Las Vegas. So I was able to give them theirs. And I met with Mr. Lala, promoter of, of Power Wrestling in Eugene. And, and last night I met with Terry Farnes, promoter of DOA Wrestling in uh, Portland, Oregon, and gave them their certificates. Um, so they are now lifetime members of the CAC. But um, in all, all these people uh, had some sort of lineage to Kathy. And um, so it was a total of $6,900 that we, that we put into the CAC uh, in, in Kathy's name uh, for these lifetime memberships. And um, my hope is, is that they will be able to take their annual dues that they would normally have paid for the CAC if they um, were, were so inclined and maybe put that towards a donation to the CAC uh, in Kathy's name. And what that will do is that will offer uh, perpetuity. It will offer uh, people that may not be able to um, attend because of financial reasons or whatever else, their opportunities as well. And um, I've talked to several who will be uh, looking at, at doing just that. So I'm looking forward to seeing that because uh, right now it's like uh, $400 if you want to be a lifetime member in the States. It's like $500 in Canada. Um, you know, lifetime membership means uh, that you never pay another due um, and also that you get the ear that's mailed to you. It's a newsletter that's published three, four times a year, uh, which features a whole bunch of information on wrestling wrestlers around the world information. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful publication uh, printed by Royal Duncan, who does a, a fabulous job that's about it. It's the, the ear and um, it is uh, a fabulous thing that uh, people can sort of reminisce on and have uh, memories of, of uh, what uh, what the CEC is. Uh, you mentioned bringing the lifetime membership to Terry of DOA. Last night you were in attendance at the DOA show, which was the 15th anniversary, which is a really big milestone for any independent professional wrestling company. There's so many that don't last more than a year or so. A lot of them die off after the first show. So to reach 15 years in independent wrestling is a big accomplishment. I know you've been with DOA off and on for that whole 15 years. You've done numerous roles there. What were you thinking as you were watching DOA go out to start year 15? 
Well, I announced for them uh, at the end of 2008 up until 2015, <clears throat> and um, then I, I started with West Coast Wrestling Connection, um, which was which was fun to do, which I did on TV. It's so interesting seeing what uh, what guys today versus guys of yesteryear. You know, we talk about guys like Thunder, for example. Um, you know, back in the day when we did our, our shows in Oregon City at the Annex, um, and we did uh, shows at the uh, Charles Jordan Community Center in Portland. Uh, I never did the uh, the uh, the ones at the Waters Community Center uh, in Portland, uh, but you know they were they were fabulous as well. What's interesting though is that the um, is that DOA has managed to do something like Power Wrestling has done, which is being able to keep uh, its fan base um, and grow its fan base over the years. Um, it has never had a show that has really had um, low attendance. They've always uh, been able to uh, uh, get people to come out and support local wrestling, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, I wish them, you know, nothing but the best because, you know, we only have ourselves to to uh, to go on. So if they if they can continue um, the tradition that we've done over the years in the Pacific Northwest, which uh, is is a long time for the Don Owen Group. I mean, they they started back in 1926. Um, and then there was sort of a small break, but other other wrestling groups sort of filled in that gap after Port Wrestling get, went off the air in 1992. And um, and seeing you know DOA now, you know what it's doing. It does uh, YouTube stuff. It's done stuff on uh, community cable. It's done stuff on a variety of different things. A lot of these guys have have been able to uh, expand their territory, so they're not just wrestling in in the Portland area. They are wrestling you know around the world. Um, it's just really amazing to see um, the types of wrestling that go on, the quality of wrestling that goes on. I mean, you know, I know that there's no way that I could compete with these uh, athletes of today. Um, there's just simply no way. I enjoy what they what they can do, uh, but I still hearken for the days of old school, and they they still they still beckon, they still tip their cap to some of the old school. I mean, you know, we saw that last night where. You know, you saw holds being exchanged, moves being exchanged, um, and so on and so forth. So there's, there's definitely, you know, that, that attitude that uh, we, we definitely remember our, our roots. And so I think that that's important that a lot of people uh, can see that, um, that we haven't forgotten um, about what, uh, what made wrestling successful. Um, when I presented Terry Farnes the last certificate for the, uh, for the lifetime membership, um, Terry was very, very uh, appreciative. I mean, he was just beside himself. Um, you know, he uh, he didn't expect it. Um, you know, I told him about it, but obviously it's one of those things where until you physically see it, you you don't expect anything. Um, and uh, you know, he is going to be trying to make an effort uh, next year to be at CC. As a matter of fact, there's quite a few people that have expressed, uh, you know, that I gave the lifetime memberships to this last year that are, are hoping to be at the CAC this next year. So I'm hoping that will swell um, even more people. Um, you know, and and uh, the banquets are always fun, and, and the camaraderie is always fun. And just being able to see a lot of the guys that uh, you don't see more than once a year. So it's uh, it's, it's really uh, a tremendous thing. I, I've been known to, uh, for the last uh, few months, do some commentary now uh, for Power Wrestling Eugene, which I started uh, a couple months ago. Um, as a matter of fact, that's kind of a milestone for me because it's the first time that I've been behind a microphone of any sort 
uh, since uh, since the strokes I had in 2018. So that's a, a pretty major accomplishment, I think. I think so, too, although I will throw in. You also did turnbuckle post-stroke for, I believe, your first time publicly speaking. Yes, I did, but... Uh, you know, but actually getting to see my face though is just kind of a kind of a big thing. I mean, you get to see the face with the with the voice, so it's uh, a big thing. You know, I I appreciate you know so much of what uh, Turnbuckle Turnbuckle did to me in in getting the word out about uh, about the variety of, of things that I've gone through, whether it's been the the strokes or FSGS, which is a kidney disease. Um, I just got word from the doctor the other day that my uh, my uh, levels have been um, Stabling for the last several months, and they finally taken me off of a water pill, which means that I don't have to go to the bathroom all the time, which uh, is tremendous to me. I still go, but it's not like you know every every second gotta go, gotta go, gotta go right now kind of thing. Um, but I'm still on you know when you when you double up and triple up the pills that I've done because you know I was 100 milligrams of this and 200 milligrams of this, and so we combined into a 300 milligram pill. Once you add up all those pills, I'm on about 14 of those a day right now. So, um, but I appreciate it because uh, you know everybody that's been out there has has done an incredible thing to make me feel so proud of, of being able to do um, and and continue on what I what I can do, and I try to give that back as best I can. Absolutely, we're just really glad that you uh, got better and are still continuing to get better. Well, now, some to fans that, may not be aware of this, but at one point in time, uh, you were booking companies, and in one of those companies, Blue Collar Wrestling, you happened to be my booker for the fans that might be wondering what goes on and how things work with me and working on actual shows from a unbiased point of view can you describe what it was like to book sign guy on shows well booking is, is, is a difficult thing for a lot of people people seem to think that they can watch a tv show and they they can plan out everything you know the fact is is that it's all it's all improv um i can give you some ideas and i can give you some some plans but it's what you do out in the ring that, that makes it come alive. So if, um, if you decide that you don't want to do what, what I thought was the best for the company uh, and you do what's known as your own office out there, um, there's either going to be trouble in the dressing room or the fans aren't going to buy it or whatever else. And, and so, you know, it, it becomes a bit of a problem. You know, there's, there's, um, you know, people that, that want to do their own thing. Um, you know, if, if, Guys go out there and do their own thing, um, you know, screw off on, on, on the, uh, the guy who's telling us, um, then it's their fault. If I give you ideas and you go out there and you do it to the best of your ability and they fall flat in their face, the onus is on me. And so, you know, obviously, you know, in the back, it's a very difficult thing because, you know, I can watch what's going on and I can sort of telepathically hope that, you know, what you do out there is is what what I envisioned, um, but honestly, it's 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 very difficult because uh, you know you've got to um, you've got to be able to read your audience. You've got to know you know some guys don't want this, some guys do want this. Um, 
some guys cheer for bad guys, some guys cheer for good guys. And, and so you've got to be able to make that fine line of, of knowing who, what, and where. Um, and, and people seem to, as I said, they seem to think it's some sort of an easy task. Um, most guys that are, are matchmaking, booking, or whatever else are probably in, in that role for less than a year um, because they either run out of ideas or there's uh, some sort of animosity between them and the talent in the dressing room. Um, so they, uh, they, they give the, the, the book or matchmaking to somebody else. Um, there are some that hang on to it for too long regardless, and it becomes stale. Uh, everything just uh, just becomes all about them. And, um, you know, I think that makes a big difference if you're in the ring versus out of the ring uh, and putting things together. Um, if you're out of the ring completely, it becomes a lot easier because you're not looking at yourself. Oh, I need to, you know, elevate myself. I need to make myself look great and everybody else look bad. Um, if you're in the ring, it can be a problem because some of the other guys are looking at you going, oh, you're trying to make yourself look better than us, uh, and so on and so forth, and that's, that, that can be a real problem. You know, I enjoyed uh, being able to uh, put together events. Um, you know, even if I wasn't actually given the book from somebody, I, uh, I would talk to guys, you know, if they, if they asked, uh, give them ideas on, on what could better enhance themselves, uh, make themselves better out there. Um, some some they, they, they took to heart, some they dismissed, and it didn't matter to me either way because I looked at it this way. I gave them the tools. If they choose to use them, that's fine. If they choose not to, that's fine. Um, you know, more power to them if they were successful. And if they weren't, well, then I can sort of sit there in the back and go, oh, I told you so. <laughs> when you came in and you were booking shows, you were from probably the generation right before a lot of the people you were booking. Did you have a lot of conflicts as far as visions of the product because of just generational conflicts, or was it easy to relate to the newer guys that were coming up when you were starting the book? I think I think it is a problem because – a lot of these guys, you know, pardon my French, I'm going to say, say something here. They want to get their shit in, and that bugs me because, um, you know, it's not about you. It's about the audience. If the audience doesn't react to what you've got to, to give them, they're not coming back. And, um, you know, you may be in there only once or twice, but that, that booker or that, that promotion may be there, as we were talking about DOA, has been around 15 years. Um, so... You know, it's it, it's really important that these guys realize, you know, what it is that we're we're trying to come across with. We're not trying to downtrod them for sure. Um, I mean, our, our objective is to make them look as as solid as we possibly can because, obviously, for for them, um, the, the the crowd reacts to them. The, the more they want to see them, the more we're going to bring them in. Um, so, I mean, but it's very important though to lay that groundwork. And when I say that, I say establish your report with the audience. Get them to know who you are. You know, I always tell people, I said, you have about 30 seconds to figure out, you know, when you leave that curtain, when your music hits, to the ring, um, and, you know, walk around the ring, etc. for that audience to determine whether they like you or they don't, <clears throat> if, you're a, if you're a heel or, or a babyface. 
And it's got to be, you know, and it's a tough thing because you may be a heel, but the fans are cheering for you. Or you may be, you know, the uh, uh, the, the fan favorite and the, the, uh, the people are booing you. Um, so you need to be able to um, work on the fly, so to speak. You need to be able to know how to be able to change things. Um, you know, one of the things that I did when I was in the ring, uh, if, if people cheered me as I, as I was the bad guy, I'd make sure that I found ways to get them to boo me. Uh, because that was my job, um, as it is for some of these other people. Other people, you know, tend to go the other way, where they they sort of go with the grain. You know, so if they're if they're a fan favorite and people are booing them, then they'll turn against the audience. Um, so, so, and the next person that comes out there will obviously become a fan favorite, and it may be just for that one night. Who knows? Um, but I mean, it it can happen. Um, but booking is, is a very difficult thing, especially if you're not in the now, um, you know, currently, because uh, there are a lot of people that are doing a lot of these crazy things, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, disputing, you know, what they can do. I mean, some of these moves that they can do are spectacular, but I just go the risk. Does it really, really outweigh the, the benefits? Um, you know, you may be uh, getting all sorts of cheers from the audience, but if you're carried out of the ring or having to, get surgery because, you know, you broke your leg or arm or shoulder, um, you know, I tell a guy, I said, okay, let's say that most of these independent wrestling guys are going to pay less than $100. Does, does your medical insurance, is your deductible going to be less than 100 bucks once you go and get your arms set and end off of your, your regular job for weeks on end because you, you can't do things anymore because of the fact that you've done this? Um, and so, you know, I look at it this way, you know, you don't need to give them everything your first time out. Just make sure that they come back to see it again. You know, give them a, a taste, so to speak. You know, I always equate it to you want to give them the sizzle, not the steak. You know, just uh, you want to make sure that, that people respond to what you've got, but they don't um, necessarily say, oh, I've seen it all, so I don't need to come back again. You need to be able to hold something back so that, that way they do want to come back and see you again. And the promoter sees that. And so they want to book you again, and they want to bring you in again. Um, and the booker wants to use you again, and so on. Um, but being, you know, in that, in that time frame, it's very difficult because uh, a lot of these guys, as they want to get all their things in, they want to do these crazy stunts and so on and so forth. It's like, but it doesn't fit what, what it is that we're trying to come up with, you know. Uh, some of these guys understand it. Some of these guys don't. You know, I, I talked with a person last night, for example, and, um, you know, they were giving me sort of, you know, their rundown of what, what they looked at for, for futures. And I said, well, that really doesn't make an awful lot of sense. If you did this and this and this, um, and, and then turned it the other way, and then all of a sudden a light bulb went off in their head, and it's like, you know, that could actually work better than, than what I had. So it's one of those things where, you know, people need to stop, take a look, and see what they're doing, how they're doing it, and, um, and really see whether or not it's, it's in their best interest to go – all out, or if it's, you know, in their best interest to hold back a little bit, just so that way it makes sense later on when the, uh, when the big, big schmoz happens, you know. The late, great Tommy Gilbert used to have the philosophy when booking, pacify, don't satisfy. Yeah, exactly. When you were actively wrestling, you were up here in the Pacific Northwest as well as in Canada, and 
territorial system was pretty much gone at that point, but there were still elements of it. Every area seems to have a style of wrestling to it, and to this day, a lot of fans will gravitate towards the style that they had when a full-time territory was in that area where they live, and that's what they best respond to as far as live shows. When you were actively wrestling and then once you started actively booking, did you see elements of that, or did you see in places you went that fans could gravitate towards any style? You know, it's 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 funny. You know, you definitely definitely hit on that. So there's there certain areas that you could go to. Like if you went to some of these really remote areas, um, you know, in Washington, if you went into the eastern part of Washington, you would run a very different type of show than you would do, say, in Western Washington, or Eastern Oregon versus Western Oregon, um, Eastern British Columbia versus Western British Columbia. And the reason why is because even though um, all those areas would have access to watching, say, the WWE or, or AEW or whatever else, um, the, um, the style, you know, they were used to. Um, you know, when we, when we were running events in, in Vancouver area and the Lower Mainland, they'd be these knocked-down, dragged-out, bloody fights, you know, and you'd see them in, in Western Washington, Western Oregon, because that's what you used to see, you know, if you're watching old Portland wrestling tapes or old all-star wrestling tapes or whatever else, when you went to the Eastern places, even though they might have some of those um, WWF type of things, because they don't get a lot of the, um, what we call call wrestling entertainment or whatever else, because they don't get a lot of professional wrestling coming through a lot of those areas, um, they're more used to a much more relaxed style. And by that, I mean a much more uh, contest kind of kind of event um, where they would like to see holds, where they want to see moves, where a, a particular move that ends a match is considered a finish to somebody. Um, out here, you know, and we've seen it, you know, for example, if you use like ECW, ECW was great in its, in its mainstay in Philadelphia where it would do its shows at the ECW arena. But if it took it outside into Boston or if it took it outside into New York, went to Chicago, um, the style would have to be a little bit different because people didn't want to just see all the bloody knockdown drag them out fights. They just weren't a bunch of drunk people in the audience, you know, which a lot of the guys in the ECW arena were. Um, you know, not to take against them, but that, that's just how they were. Um, so you, you need to, to tailor your style. If you're going to go into some of these remote communities, you need to sort of get a, a, a feel for the town before you even run there and and see, okay, do they want to see this kind of style or do they want to see this kind of style? Do they want to see a hybrid kind of style? Do they want to see a mixed kind of style? Do they want to see something that uh, reminds them of high school wrestling? Um, you know, it just, um, it, it's really difficult, you know, as, as, a, as a broker, as a uh, road agent for shows, um, and you'd see this, you know, guys, you know, you'd have to use certain guys on certain events because um, they 
they cater to that kind of style. Um, you know, people were kind of annoyed that they didn't get to work on those shows. But it's just like you can't do this kind of style, you know. And, and it's nothing against them personally. It's just if you can't do it, then then don't. And and you know, if you're if you're more apt to be able to be able to get across your your knockdown drag about bloody barbed wire fights or whatever else, then do that over there. You know, these guys over here want to see these guys um, with a 15-minute hammerlock and, and mean something. Um, or guy finish off a guy with a pile driver and mean something. Whereas a guy on the West Coast could get four pile drivers, a, a, a cane destroyer, a bunch of other things, um, and, and, uh, and kick out all the time. It's just like that's, that's the style. Um, so a lot of those people that were from those eastern places that have come west and so on and so forth, into sort of the communities. I mean, you'd see it in Tennessee, for example. What would work in Memphis would not necessarily work in Nashville. Um, what would work in Jackson wouldn't work in um, in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, etc. You know, it's just um, you need to you need to to uh, to know your areas and you need to know them very well. I agree with you there for sure. Well, we are down to the last few minutes of the program today, and I want to make sure that you absolutely have plenty of time to say anything, plug anything you would like, the CAC, the social medias, the merchandise up there, uh, Pro Wrestling Keys, anything you would like. Floor is all yours. Well, you can yeah, buy the shirt at ProWrestlingKeys.com. I have a couple of different shirts up there. Um, the one that, that is the old school, which is the best abs in the business, uh, is just my personal one. The one that I have is uh, uh, Campus more exposed than a adult male film store that I'm using towards uh, paying down some of my medical bills and so on. I, I've had to um, deal with a lot of different pills and that sort of thing, which cost me, you know, several hundred dollars a month to uh, to do that. So I appreciate, you know, when people do buy the shirts because that money goes into that, that particular thing. Uh, for people who want to check out the Cauliflower Alley Club, it's caulifloweralleyclub.org. That's O-R-G. It's Cauliflower, like as the head of caulifloweralleyclub.org. Um, you can sign up to be a member there. You can sign up to be a lifetime member there. Uh, you can sign up for the banquets there. You can read up on all the information on the uh, on the happenings of what the CAC is. Um, there's other events uh, like the Wrestler's Lunch, uh, which is in uh, Florida, or the Gathering in North Carolina or uh, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, which is in Waterloo, Iowa, which uh, is in the third week of July, and I'm hoping to be there again this year. I wasn't there last year just with everything going on. I wasn't able to get out there. But do do check out those um, because they uh, provide opportunities for, for you know up-and-coming wrestlers to, to learn the trade, uh, learn from uh, experienced talents and so on, and get some, um, some experience in, in, in what they need to do. There's training sessions going on at CAC and at Waterloo. Um, so that's kind of great. Uh, for people who would just like to email me, um, it's bulldogbobbrownjr1 at yahoo.com. Um, and that's the best way to reach me. I, I check the email all the time. And I do appreciate hearing from people because, um, you know, it does help me in my recovery. I wouldn't say that I'm better. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm better, but I'm not my best. You know, there's still... I'm still walking around with a cane, still a bunch of pills every day, um, still not not functioning as, as 100%, but, uh, you know, 
every little bit helps. You know, whatever whatever I can do to uh, to to do that is what I do. And I appreciate people coming up at CAC and or at any of the other events that they see me and uh, and um, you know wish me well and and want pictures and that sort of thing. I'm 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 not one of those people who shies away from that. I well I sort of do, but I but I appreciate it. You know, nonetheless. And so, you know, when people do want pictures and that sort of thing, I do thank them very much and and uh, and so on. It's just uh, uh, a good thing. One thing I'm going to do this next week or a couple of weeks or so, which I've never done before, I'm looking forward to it. Is actually I'm going to go on an Alaska cruise. Um, something that my wife didn't want to do. Um, she really wasn't a boat person. Uh, I thought I would check it out. You know, going from Seattle to Alaska and back. Uh, Michelle Starr was the one who hooked me up on on a great deal, so I can go to Alaska and see some of the sights in there. Um, so I can see what uh, what it looks like from this side of the water instead of in a van. Uh, you know, to some of the towns that we did, um, which would be kind of neat. Um, Power Wrestling, the next uh, Power Wrestling that I'll be at will be this coming Friday uh, in Eugene at World Pies on on, uh, on West 8th and Olive, which is always a great time. It's been sold out the last few shows. Um, it's a tremendous atmosphere. Food and drink is available there, uh, so feel free to stop in and check us out. Um, I, will, I think I'm doing commentary on that one, so uh, you can check us out on YouTube.com. Uh, look for POW or Power Wrestling on there. And... Um, and, you know, see some of the commentaries. The recent ones, I think, are just coming up now onto there. Um, so I'm, I'm appreciative of that. I'm appreciative of, of being given that opportunity. You know, it's it's funny. You know, I've been around this business for a long time. Um, you know, never never went, you know, anywhere. Never never Europe, never Japan, never Europe or anywhere else. Uh, just applied my trade to the local area. Um, but I'm very proud of what I accomplished and very proud of being able to uh, work with other guys that are, are coming up in our industry and um, and guys that are, are looking forward to being part of our industry. And it's funny, over the last, I would say, the last couple of years, um, it's been really amazing, um, these people that have come out of the woodwork to ask me to be on podcasts and so on. It's, really, it's very humbling to me because, um, you know, as I said, I was never an anybody. You know, if you look, you know, I'm not a Ron Simmons. I'm not an Iron Sheik. I'm not Abdul the Butcher. You know, I'm, I'm just me. Um, and I applied my trade, as I said, mostly in British Columbia. I did a little bit in Washington, Oregon, um, and, uh, you know, got to referee wrestle and, and manage, uh, handle stuff in the office, a lot of different things in front and behind the camera. Um, so I really appreciate that opportunity. And I do really appreciate you guys coming and listening to things like this podcast here, for example, because, you know, podcasts like this are the lifebread of our, of our, of our business. Um, you know, we never used to think that social media was that big of a thing. It's, it isn't, but it is. You know, it's one big majority facet that we have now. Um, so you can spread your word to so many people around the world in a blink of an eye, um, which you were never able to do before, um, you know, because we were just doing posters and handbills. And it was word of mouth that, that uh, one town would be able to go to one from one territory to the next. Then we had the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, which uh, has sort of unfortunately gone more to the fans than it was the boys. The boys used to use that as knowing, you know, what territories to go to, what the monies were like, etc. Nowadays, it's for everybody. Uh, but then again, the internet is too as well. So, I mean, it's not really a closed door shop. But I tell these guys, you know, let's let's understand that this is a wrestling business. You know, we don't invite the fans to the locker room. This is their 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 respite area that they they have a chance to uh, 
sort of get their, their bearings at and so on. Um, what, what you see in the rings may not necessarily have translated from what, what they thought of in the dressing room. Um, so what you get to see is a live presentation. There is no rehearsal. You, you see as it is. And um, it's phenomenal. You know, it's not like you know, where AEW and WWE can do these things, you know, where they can turn the cameras off and reshoot the match. We don't do that. We do it as it is. So if the referee screws up, if the manager screws up, the wrestler screws up, it's part of it. And it's figuring out a way to make it so that you want to come back and see us do it again. If we, if we screwed up, you didn't see it. And if we did screw up, then we find a way that you go, oh, well, that was part of the event. So there you go. All right. Well, Stuart, it has been a pleasure, as always, having you on here. And hopefully you enjoy Alaska and Strangely enough, I once worked on a show in Alaska with the aforementioned Michelle Starr. I believe the only time we nice. ever worked together. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he didn't uh, trisexual you. He did not. He did not. It went <laughs> completely fine, that show. But um, you're, you're we lucky, will definitely be everybody. doing this again very soon. And I want to thank you, as always, for taking time to be with us. Very, very glad that you had a good time in CAC. And I'm very thankful that you are doing much, much better. I have seen the progress since the strokes, and it's fantastic. You're doing much, much better than you were at the CAC when this happened. So we're glad to see that, and you know you're welcome back here anytime. I'd love to see you back at CAC if you can make it to the to the event. I know it's it's tough with your schedule, but I'd love to see you there. Um, maybe you can even do some uh, some sign guy radio shows while you're down there. You know, it would be uh, kind of neat to be able to talk to some of the guys down there. Absolutely. I will try my best to get down there. Um, hopefully next year will work out and we'll make it down to CAC. Maybe I'll jump in the cribbage tournament, although we all know Bob Wharton Jr. sometimes cheats the cards. We saw it at the Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view. Well, you know, he did have, uh, he played Eve Maru this last go-round, and Abe said he had an ace up his sleeve. Oh, um, maybe he did. I, I don't know. I checked the arms. I didn't see anything, but you just never know. You never know what he's got. He's a master of putting things up his sleeve since he had that cast on his arm for so long. Yes. Well, you know, that arm just didn't heal. That's very true. Very true. All right. Well, Stuart, thank you again. We will have you back on very soon and fans if you have not get on the youtube look up bulldog bob brown jr look up Stuart kemp great announcer he was very very uh, good at what he did he was a great referee he was a good wrestler out there entertaining so make sure you look it up go buy the t-shirt support what uh, he has going on with the T-shirt so he can pay some of those medical bills. Great shirt. I have uh, some myself. And also, if you're looking to join us once again on Friday, we have Brandon Nitro, wrestler out of the great state of South Dakota. And then one week from this very day, the return of Zane Paisley. He is gearing up to promote his first ever event. He's got a fundraising event coming up for his son, going to be a wrestling promoter for the first time. He also, of course, 
one of the premier ring announcers in the Midwest. So join us when we talk to Zane Paisley. Coach will be back with us next week as well. So everybody make join us, get out there and support your local independents, and we will talk to you soon.